Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I really want to thank you for tuning in again, and I invite you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review our outstanding guests. Today, we have an amazing guest. His name is Dr. David Utley. He's the president and CEO at Carrot, Inc., They're on a mission to engage and empower millions of people to quit smoking, but in a different way. And what we're going to dive into today is is some of the basic concepts and things that they're doing at Carrot, Inc. that are going to make an impact in the way that this is done. And so my guest today has a a wide uh, array of experience in in medicine. He started as, as a surgeon and at Stanford University then founded his own company, which was acquired by Covidian, was the chief medical officer for quite some time, and now he's on to his next venture. And so what I want to do is open up the microphone to David to fill in any of the gaps in the introduction. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Saul. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to chat with you today. It is my pleasure, David. And so one of the things that I like to do just to begin is ask the question, why? What got you into medicine? In particular, why smoking? Yeah, this is my third career at Carrot. And as you mentioned, uh, at my first career was as a surgeon. I trained in uh, ear, nose, and throat surgery at Stanford out here starting in 92. I was there on faculty until about 2003. And I've always been interested in healthcare. I had a healthcare-related family, volunteered as a kid in hospitals. So I was pretty destined. I thought I'd do sports medicine, but I ended up doing ear, nose, and throat. And at Stanford, our practice was a cancer practice. And we almost exclusively focused on cancers related to tobacco use. And they were related in the head and neck, which is like your tonsil or your voice box. And it was pretty frustrating to me as a doc that there weren't a lot of things that we could do to help people quit smoking. And when we had pamphlets and we had warnings to the folks and we told people it was bad for them, but you know, I, I was on the treatment end. I wasn't really on the kind of the prevention end, but I was thinking about it. And, you know, like you mentioned before, besides professionally, I bet every one of the listeners has a friend or a family member that's been touched by the use of tobacco. They've either gotten ill from it, uh, their kids are sicker, or maybe unfortunately they passed away. They have a grandparent or something. So we all, either professionally or familial-wise, like socially, are touched by this gigantic, awful product that people become addicted to typically when they're teenagers. They smoke into their adulthood, and about 80% of people who smoke don't want to be smokers, but they don't have something that they can turn to that can actually help them quit effectively. It's a really, really amazing focus that you guys have talked about. And, and, you know, we had a chance to connect before the podcast, David. I told you, my dad, you know, smoker, and he's tried different things and it just hasn't worked for him. I met your team at the Health 2.0 meeting and they, they walked me through the approach. And, and so I'd love for the listeners to just get a, a better idea of why Carrot's different and how you guys approach the situation. We started the company about, about three years ago, and we decided that when you're looking at a, a behavior that 40 million U.S. adults participate in, and 80% or more of them say when asked that they don't want to be a smoker but don't know how to quit, that's a problem, but it's also an opportunity, right? 
And so if you think about the fact that you have this massive number of human beings engaging in a mortal behavior and they re-engage in that behavior 20 times a day when you smoke a pack of cigarettes, you have to ask why. And you look on one hand and you know that there's thousands and thousands of clinical papers and strategies around behavioral change and nicotine replacement therapy, et cetera. Tons of strategies that work, that when applied properly and somebody actually uses them and somebody's walking through, people can quit and they can durably quit. The problem is that smokers in general have very low confidence that they can quit and they have very low, under, like a low access to really awesome quit interventions that they might want to actually try and not be as scared of. So we thought, all right, if the classic 1-800-QUIT number isn't helping millions of people quit, if over-the-counter drugs aren't helping millions of people quit, if uh, millions of people aren't flocking to the clinic on Wednesday night at their local YMCA, how do we fix it? Like, what do you do? And we said, well, you just have to completely change the conversation. And you've got to present a program that people will at least try. And what I mean by that is program where they don't have to quit right away. So we offer, you know, you ask what's special about Pivot, which is the product name. Pivot's first session or first module out of six over the course of a year is just nine days of meeting your coach, doing some lessons, monitoring the, your carbon monoxide in your bloodstream, and also tracking your cigarettes. So if we lower the bar and say, you don't have to quit when you come here, you just have to do some fun stuff with your coach and learn about yourself. We find like 90% of people would sign up for that. So the first mm-hmm. step sounds really simple. Just get something that's attractive and fun and not threatening and that people don't think they'll instantly fail at and then they try it. And then we try to move them into the next step. So let me let me take your question or your inputs on or your insights into that. No, yeah. You know what, David? It's It's really fascinating, the approach, right? You don't make them feel bad for being a smoker. You acknowledge that right. it's a true problem and you just level with them and say, it's okay. Right. Our coaches are trained in, in smoking cessation. We have a curriculum that everybody goes through and our coaches meet our pivoters, we call them, our users. We meet the user where they are rather than say, tell them where we think they ought to be. And we help them build intrinsic motivation to by helping them learn about themselves and gaining their own insights and supporting them. Because you know, if you tell somebody to do something, you're not going to get anywhere. These, these folks that are our pivoters have been smokers for 20 years and they know it's bad for them. Their doctors have told them to quit. They haven't quit successfully, so they feel pretty bad about it. They don't want to feel bad again. So as I said, they don't like to sign up for these programs. When they see a program where they can't fail, then they get kind of excited that this mm-hmm. is something new. Because as I said a minute ago, most smokers don't want to be smokers. Yeah, you know, and, and I think of the analogy of the fish in the little glass. And the fact is, the fish keeps swimming around. And if you tell that little fish to do a workout and, and eat well, if that water's dirty, that water's dirty. And so what you guys are creating is a different bowl for this fish to yeah, swim in. And totally. In fact, it's a huge aquarium that you guys are building from my perspective. And these fish can now swim freely in a new environment. It's something new. And, and I mentioned we have some really interesting... I put on my public health prevention hat for a second. We're trying to prevent millions of people from dying and getting sick from tobacco use. So the only way, as I said, to accomplish that is to start at the funnel and help as many people feel good about joining the program and not feel obligated, not feel like they're going to fail. 
And one of those things is giving them lots of choices that they could, like you just said, lots of choices and lots of new things. We even have some, I don't like the word campaign, but we, we advertise within, you know, a payer or a client that would allow, that would afford this to their employees. We advertise to the users and we have some campaigns that are very provocative, like don't quit smoking today. And then in the subtext, it's, you know, that's shocking for someone to see that. But it's intentional because if you try to quit today and you haven't prepared, the likelihood of failure is high. And then just one more failure attempt, right? And then one more, less likely step towards quitting. We also have a cold turkey is a myth campaign where, you know, cold tur- going cold turkey is a myth, just like, you know, the Loch Ness Monster is a myth. It just isn't real. <laughs> like you can't just stop. Maybe there are some hurt heroes that can just stop and never smoke again. But the majority of people really need a lot of help. So again, the magic is getting folks in. But once they're in the program, all of the coaching and all of the strategies are very much clinically proven in thousands and thousands of papers to help people learn about their smoking and then quit. Yeah, David, and, and listeners, I, I had a chance to take a look at some of these ads that David and his team put together. I mean, this is a fresh approach and it's much needed in this space. And, and David, I don't know if you'd be able to share those through a link on your show notes or not, but I think it's just uh, fascinating. So maybe we can, uh, and so listeners, will when I give you the link to this episode further down at the bottom, you'll be able to see those posts. But just so you know, ahead of time, outcomesrocket.health slash carrot. And if you go there, you're going to find the show notes as well as the pictures of these really cool ads that he's creating. A lot of creativity going into this, making it different. So David, one of the things that I find really interesting, so you, you've had previous success in building a company and you know sold it to Covidian. Now, typically what's out there is that, okay, it's got to be B2B, but here in this concept, you have a B2B to C. Tell me a little bit right. about why you're deciding to go to something that is like a road less traveled. Yeah. In my second career, which was building a medical device intervention that would help people, would help us as surgeons treat early cancers of the digestive tract without having to do operations. That was a system that was sold to hospitals and surgeons like myself would use it to help save lives and prevent disease. That's a very different path than having an intervention where the user is not the surgeon, the user is a smoker, a pivoter. And then you need to, pivoters or uh, folks that live in the United States who smoke, have healthcare insurance and have typically have an employer that provides some benefits to them. And Smokers or users aren't used to paying for all of their own healthcare out of their pocket. So we want this to be paid for by a second party, which is the person that owns most of the cost of that person's smoking. And in in our case, it could be somebody, it could be a company like Medtronic, for example, that self-insures all of its large employees or Salesforce or Apple or GM, pick your large employer who self-insures. And what that means is they pay for the claims for healthcare that come in for their workforce. They don't pay insurance to cover those folks. So we've decided to go to that group first because smoking is not only a mortal behavior, it also is very uh, bad for the bottom line of a company who employs smokers. And that's not to be misconstrued as saying we shouldn't employ people who smoke. We should. We should simply provide those smokers with the best possible innovations and interventions to help them quit smoking. And the reason why are multiple. You should help your employees quit smoking, number one, because it's the right thing to do. Just like making sure your employees have access to other amazing preventative services like colonoscopy screening or mammography, 
You should offer smoking cessation to everyone who smokes. It's under the Affordable Care Act. You should do it with no co-insurance and no cost sharing. That's the first thing. The second reason is it's great for the workforce as a whole to improve the non-smoking proportion of the population. That's not by firing smokers. That's by making the world a better place and helping smokers quit. But the third one that really gets the client's attention is that smokers are extremely costly to an organization in dollars. They generate about $7,000 of excess healthcare expenditures and lost productivity every year per person. So as an employer, if you use Pivot and you help people quit smoking, you can regain, you can recoup those losses and become much more, it's a positive impact to your P&L like within a year. So there's so many reasons to help an employer's workforce become smoke-free. It's mind-blowing. And so we're, we're the newest and most innovative solution that our employee clients have seen, you know, for some time. David, I think you are tackling a problem head on and one that, that is really fascinating. A couple months ago, I had the privilege of having a, a, our guest, uh, Dave Chase. He does a lot of work in the employer benefits area. And uh, he, he wrote this really cool book, uh, you know, Restoring the American Dream. But the whole concept that he encapsulates in his ideas is that the cost for healthcare for employers is skyrocketing. Next to the cost yep. of labor, it's the cost of just health for these companies. Right. And I think it's fascinating that you decided to take this approach because it is truly one that employers are starting to wake up. And it's exciting to see that, that there are options through Carrot and the things that you and your team have put together for them to tackle a problem and save money and help the lives of their employees while they're at it. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. I mean, sometimes we have to remember that the employer is responsible for the health of its employees and their spouses medically and kind of in the wellness world. And sometimes those overlap. And if you understand that you should pay for a colonoscopy in somebody to detect polyps and prevent colorectal cancer, there's no return on investment for doing that. You just do it because that's what you do under a plan. And that's what the guidelines for colorectal cancer prevention say. The same holds true for smoking cessation. You got to offer this and you should be like insistent that folks try it because it's like the right thing to do for the person's health and for the P&L of the company. Yeah, I totally think it's a great insight that you're making and, and maybe some dots that haven't been connected by some of the leaders listening to the podcast. So if you're a leader running a business unit, running an entire company, I encourage you to start thinking about the things that, that David is mentioning here. You know, smoking cessation programs are a must. And you've got to start considering these programs for your people. So, David, maybe you could share a time when you had a setback or a failure and what you learned from that moment. It could be with Carrot. It could be with another company that you've had. And what pearls have you taken out of that? Well, I think starting a company, I've had lots of setbacks and failures. We all have, right? And yes. if you don't learn from them, you make the mistake twice, then shame on you, right? And so I'll just focus on more in the startup world is, you know, you are always building value in a startup every month, every week, every day. And you're always telling the value story to clients, to potential employees, to investors, and that's the thing I focus on literally every day along the line because we want to continue to attract investor interest, continue to attract client interest, continue to attract great employees here. Uh, I think I think one of the things along that line is that with self-insured employers who are benefits buyers, they have a long path 
upon which to plan what services they offer to their employees because they're planning a five-year plan, three-year plan, et cetera, and they have a relatively small budget. So I think one of the, it's not an error as much as a, just now it's an epiphany that offering wellness programs like Pivot to employers takes time. And so we're budgeting now the time that it takes to properly get into the right clients like Salesforce and uh, like some other big folks that are going to gonna work with us and make sure that we have enough time in the budget to make sure that those folks are successful because we have an incredibly solid foundational product. It's not about whether this product's going to help people quit. It does. It's just about whether we have enough time to get in the startup world through to all these folks that have a little bit of a slow sales cycle. It's a good call out, right? Making sure you plan enough time to make sure that things move slow in healthcare, period. And right. whether it be on the insurance side or the health provider side, it's a big thing. And, and it'd be interesting to see what traction you guys could get to, David, with uh, some of the big providers across the country, because a lot of oh, them are self-insured yeah. too, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we have a second plan. You know, I'm, I'm very used to the way that interventions, drugs, services, surgical procedures are considered by health plans like Aetna and the Blues and United and Cigna. And we'll be talking to them starting this year because, you know, when you're a large plan, you own the health of your covered lives. I mean, the healthier that covered life population is, especially in captive plans like Kaiser, the better your bottom line is. And so we're just relatively, you know, we're just getting out of the blocks. We just got FDA clearance for our product last year, about six months ago. Congratulations. So we'll, in addition to this, yeah, it's been, it was a great milestone. That's in huge. addition to getting, yeah, in addition to getting uh, off the foot with some of these self-mature clients, we will start talking to some of these big national payers. You know, and it's interesting too, one that I think would fit your model really well, David, you probably already thought about this, is, is Bright Health. You know, the folks over there and their population health approach, I think is really much in line with the strategies and, and you know, the history of those guys at United Health. I think they're pretty dialed in. So I think there's something that could brew over there with uh, you and them. Cool. Okay, David, getting close to the end. This has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to carve out with us. This is the part of the uh, podcast where we do a lightning round, four questions all about healthcare, That's making great. it better. And then we'll finish up with a book that you recommend to the listeners as well as a podcast that you recommend to them. You ready? Wow. Wow. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Prevent, prevent, prevent before the person gets the disease. That's all, that's all she said. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Well, I would clarify the question about, you mean in, in public health in general and the health delivery of healthcare in general, or do you mean more like at the granular level of a startup or a, a healthcare-focused company? You know, I, I'd say let's, it really, it's kind of open-ended, but I'd say since we're focused on public health and making these changes to the smoking community, let's answer yeah. it that way. You know, I think we focus so much on effectiveness and we haven't focused on reach. And what I mean by that is hmm. that everybody asks when you're talking about intervention, well, how good is it? Like, hmm. does colonoscopy in a 50-year-old male prevent cancer? How good is your, how good is the rate? And in our world, they say, what's your quit rate? And what I, the way I, without being snarky, I say, we really don't care so much about the quit rate. We know we're going to get a certain percentage of folks to quit, typically 20 to 30%. What we care about is how many people went through the program. Like how many people signed up? If you get one person that goes through the program because the program's dry and you get a 10% quit rate, well, you know, you don't have very many quitters. If you get a million people 
to go through the quit program and it's, you have a 20% effectiveness, you got 200,000 quitters. So I think you just got to move way upstream, like I said, with some of our campaigns where you get as many people to participate in the prevention as you can. Like every adult at age 50 gets a colonoscopy and 100% of them do. That's nirvana for public health. Whereas in smoking, you know, it's like some, we talked to some clients where less than two tenths of 1% of their smokers are participating in the program because they're tired. So reach, it's all about reach. You got to get people in the program. Love that. And uh, David, you do such a great job of, of simplifying things that are very complex. And this, you know, I'm going to definitely be doing some more thinking about this. And listeners, I encourage you to think about this as well. Are you to be more concerned about effectiveness or reach in the things that you're doing? And so this is a really, really interesting concept that you've introduced us to, David. How would you say relevant, stay relevant as an organization in health despite the constant change? Yeah, you know, when I was brought up as a surgeon 26 years ago as an intern, we had nothing, no, nothing about outcomes and economics. We just were in the trenches. We did our procedures. We made sure people had the best possible care and the billing companies and all the people did that. You know, nowadays, the economics are so involved in everything we do. And when we're talking about in our company, I'm amazed that we're even talking about the economics of helping somebody quit smoking. It's just the right thing to do. I mean, it's, it's hmm. the most impactful prevention service of anything judged by the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force. It's, it's the grade A. It's, it's right up there with any other prevention that you can do because it works so well to help people not die. I'm surprised money ever even comes hmm. up because it's pretty cost-effective, very cost-effective, to provide smoking cessation services to folks. So I think that's my biggest surprise. I'm surprised that economics are even being asked about. But I think part of that is because smoking has been lumped into the wellness benefits thing. Colonoscopy screening is not in wellness and benefits. It's in, I mean, it's in healthcare benefits. It's not in wellness. So we're going to try to make sure that folks understand that smoking is their number one cost in healthcare. It's the number one cost in wellness. They should provide as many resources to help their people quit and rethink, just as I said earlier, rethink how this whole disease state is approached. Outstanding. And, and another great point, you just, just keep bringing them on, David, <laughs> one after the other, man. I love it. Value pack session listeners. And if you're on the benefit side of things, are you considering smoking cessation part of wellness benefits or are you considering it part of health? Think that, think that through. Finally, David, what's the one area of focus that should drive everything else? in your organization? Our mission statement is to save lives. And you see that written on walls and on websites of people. But, you know, in tobacco use, it's true. We have a very mission-driven company and everybody, every one of my 55 employee team members believe, you know, I ask everybody to raise their hand if they've ever saved a life. If Had they not been there or created something, would someone have died? And it's rare, unless you're a doc or an EMS or some sort of a some professional like a firefighter, you don't typically raise your hand, right? Mm -hmm. But everybody here raises their hand because we've got people quitting like crazy. And my engineers and my clinical guys and my coaches and my CFO and all, I mean, everybody can say, you know, I was part of that. And if we let this roll long enough, we get to a million new users a year, you know, in the next six, seven, eight years, we're going to save millions of lives. So that's raise on debt. Everybody's completely focused on that as their mission because it's true. No doubt about it, David. And when I, when I met your team at the Health 2.0 meeting, it was really inspiring. I mean, I had the opportunity to, to meet, uh, it was Connie 
and yep. uh, also met um, Blinken. Um, Rachel, Lee. John. Yeah. Rachel it was John, and John and out Debbie. of Boulder. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I met Connie and John and boy, let me tell you, I mean, they were just filled with the passion that you have. So as, as a leader, David, I want to commend you for what you've done with this team cool. and the people you've brought on. Uh, they're just uh, magnificent people. David, cool. here to the end, what book and what podcast would you recommend to the listeners? My favorite author is Christopher Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Funniest guy you will ever read. Practical Demon Keeping is my favorite book of his. And Reed Hoffman's series is my favorite podcast. Outstanding. So listeners, make sure to go to outcomesrocket.health slash carrot, where you're going to get all the links to what we've talked about today, including the show notes. So thankful for your time, David. Why don't you just share uh, parting words of wisdom and then the best place where people could follow you? Ah, well, I think the parting wisdom after having this discussion is that uh, smoking in the U.S. has been kind of lateralized and people kind of forget. I mean, we make people smoke outside. We make people don't let them smoke and have vilified the person and the behavior. And I want everybody to maybe part this call with the fact that people who smoke mostly don't want to smoke and they're mostly awesome people and they need a helping hand and they need some awesome innovation that can help them quit this disease or this behavior which causes death in over half of folks who smoke and if we think the opioid crisis is huge smoking kills 10 times more people every year than the opioid crisis so it ought to be receiving at least equal if not more investment and focus as these other global and slash U.S. healthcare crises. Great note to leave off with, David. And, and what would you say the best place for the listeners to follow you or get a hold of you is? Uh, you know, carrot.co, they can look at uh, LinkedIn for Carrot and LinkedIn for Utley. Those are probably the best places. And I think uh, also on Twitter, you can follow Carrot and Pivot. Beautiful. David, this has been amazing. Uh, truly a paradigm shift discussion today. Listeners, hope you enjoyed today. And uh, again, David, just a big thank you to you and your time, my friend. Hey, thanks all. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.